Welcome back, everyone, to the second episode of the week of Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO and co-founder of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. This is the second of two episodes this week. If you'd like to hear the Just Dow It news reports with uh, our guest Spencer weighing in with me on what all the articles mean for people starting DAOs, please check out the episode from earlier in the week. This episode is where we go more in depth in an interview with Spencer. Uh, so let's uh, kick this off, Spencer, with a little bit of, of a different uh, intro since people can go back and listen to your other intro earlier in the week. Uh, would you talk a little bit more about what you're working on right now in the world of DAOs and uh, what that looks like? Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on a few different things. A lot of that is is very, you know, an extension of what I've been doing for the past couple of years with DAO House. Alongside that, I'm also working on a, um, a, a new project called Hats Protocol that I think was going to work really great with, with DAO House and a lot of other DAO frameworks that helps DAOs delegate responsibility to individuals or smaller groups to help them be as effective as, as organizations in the way that, or as traditional companies or traditional organizations um, in the way that they kind of create more of like individual responsibility and accountability without risking entrenching power um, or and losing what it, what it really means to be a DAO. Very interesting. So let's start by explaining to the audience what DAO House is. And I want to take a stab at this because I've always been a big fan of DAO House and see if I have this right. Um, and then you can correct me and, and expand on what DAO House is. But um, I've always been aware of this open source project called Moloch, which is an underlying smart contracts framework for uh, for running a DAO, right? starting a DAO, operating a DAO. And then you have DAO House, which seems to be the uh, front end uh, layer of the project. If someone wants to start a Moloch DAO, unless you're writing your own code and smart contract and interacting with smart contracts manually, DAO House is the way of creating a Moloch DAO and managing that DAO. Very feature rich, great user interface, et cetera. In fact, I've always thought it's the best user interface of any DAO platform, which is one of the top reasons I always recommended it to people new to the space and looking at launching a DAO. Um, is that a good way of breaking down what the project is and how it relates to Moloch or how would you describe it? it that, is, that is a great description of what we are calling DAO House V2 which is the version mm. of DAO House that has existed for the past couple of years. Um, that's okay. the DAO House that basically everybody who has used DAO House knows. Like, There's quite a good description. And I could talk more about the relationship between the Moloch DAO framework and DAO House, because it's getting a little bit more complicated um, mm. with what we're, we're calling DAO House V3, which is a much different approach to how we are kind of bringing the, the DAO House concept into the world. Uh, than than DAO has V2. Interesting. So so tell us a little more about V3 versus V2 and and what what we can expect uh, coming down the pike. Yeah. Here. So the, the best way to understand what V3 is is to delve into a little bit of what some of the challenges we ran into with V2. V2 is is basically we focused on the application, the user interface, the front end, the is basically a layer on top of, as you were describing, on top of the Moloch DAO framework smart contracts. Those are you know, open source, community built, not owned by anybody. And so DAO is basically building a application on top of those. And we added a bunch of other things around the edges, minions, which allow 
a Moloch DAO to, or a DAO house DAO in this case, to interact with many other other smart contracts. The the ENS subdomain contract that we talked about earlier in the week uh, that Raid Guild was using was, that, was an example of a minion on the DAO house platform. So the DAO house platform is basically an application and it was attempting, we had this vision of being able to create like a plugin system where other developers or, or us could create little mini apps or plugins or what we, we were calling them boosts that would allow a DAO to kind of get access to the different types of functionality or little little tools that they needed for them for their particular use case. As we were talking about earlier in the week, lots of DAOs are, are very different. They're just like companies. They all have different needs, different problems, different challenges. And we had this boost idea because we recognized that and wanted to give them the, every DAO the tool that they would need. We really believe that the, the Moloch DAO foundation is a really great foundation for many different types of DAOs. It's actually quite flexible and can be used in many different ways. So we wanted to create this a lot of functionality around the edges. And that works okay, but what we really, like kind of the, the wall we ran into, what we learned is that it's not enough. DAOs are much different, more different than we originally thought. There's been a lot of growth in the DAO ecosystem and that has kind of become clear over time. And we, we learned that it's just not really possible, not really feasible to build a single application, even one that has some plugins that can serve the real needs of a lot of DAOs really well. And so we, we realized that what we need to do instead is turn DAO House into more of a protocol and an infrastructure on top of which many DAO, many applications can be built that all interconnect with, with one another. So for the last six or, or maybe nine months, actually, even we've been working on, on that. And that's what, that's what DAO House V3 is. So DAO House V3 is we, we've done a, more work to expand some of the functionality and the underlying Moloch DAO smart contracts. We've worked with the Moloch Mystics, a kind of an open source community-led working group that, that is responsible for building the Moloch V3 DAO framework, which is sort of an extension of Moloch V2. And that is kind of the foundation of our DAO house protocol, which is those contracts, which is kind of a, a factory for creating new, new DAOs of the Moloch V3 type, but then attaching lots of different interfaces or, or creating lots of ways to attach other contracts and extend that even more. So the DAO house protocol kind of brings all of that stuff together and facilitates some of those uh, some of that additional functionality. And then on top of that, we've built a suite of, of developer tools that mm. make it, we think, very easy to build applications on top of that foundational infrastructure. Mm. So it, we, we're hoping, we're, and we were already seeing this, but we're hoping it grows even further. We're hoping to see a lot more applications, both um, applications that already exist, starting to be able to more easily uh, integrate with and, and interact with DAO house, DAO, DAO house DAOs and net new products, applications, even, even potentially businesses growing as they're able to like, create dedicated applications for specific use cases on top of the DAO house infrastructure. And the main reason we think that's super powerful is that just like in, in Ethereum or like DeFi, where we have this idea of composability, where different protocols and applications are, are focused on a fairly niche area, 
but because they can all interact and work together, it you know, creates a, a really rich ecosystem that you could only get, or that, that many like traditional banks are trying to, like is all within one place within a, the traditional banking system. With DAOhouse V3, every single app can focus on just a small sliver and do that really, really well. And they can all interoperate. They can all interact together. The same DAO can, can use all of this, those different apps automatically or instantaneously. Anytime you create it, any new DAO will instantly be able to use all those different applications because they're all pointing to the same Ooh. protocol, to the same infrastructure. We're hoping wow. that'll, that'll allow people to build applications that are much more tailored to the different types of DAOs that exist or that will exist in the future. Wow. And is all of this available today or what's the timeline that people can expect to see this available? Uh, so it is very, very close. We have uh, some beta deployments, some some beta apps that we're, we're working with some initial initial beta partners on. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're hoping our, our developers will yell at me if I say any sort of <laughs> <laughs> overly ambitious dates here, but hoping very soon to be able to open that up to uh, to lots more people and have them start to start to create DAOs and then for also certainly for developers to start to create more and more applications. Cool. So is it a little bit like formerly known as Gnosis Safe, but Safe and how it has plug it, the ability for people to create plugins on top of it? Is it similar to how that works or? So I think the Safe app executed better on what we were calling boosts on that concept. Like they chose a, I think the right path for a single app where lots of people can build things mm-hmm. then plug into it. Mm-hmm. That's, I think they, they did a really good job of that. DAOhouse V3 is, there's it's less of a single app at the center and lots of things mm-hmm. plugging in and more of a distributed ecosystem of applications. So wow. we have been building um, a couple apps that actually work together. They, they, a user would experience them as the same app even though they're kind of different different applications. And we built those really less to be like the center of the ecosystem and more as the seed for the ecosystem to one, help us build the the tools that we need to help other developers build applications easily. We kind of built those side by side, Mm -hmm. but all the apps that we have built thus far and and will be building are exclusively using those tools. So every tool that we have is, is available open source for everybody, but also we're building those applications just to get the ecosystem started, just to allow people to create DAOs mm-hmm. in this new new protocol in the first place. And we kind of hope or even expect that one, two, three, four years out, there's going to be probably better application, applications that are better than our own at doing the things that our current applications mm-hmm. do. There'll be many different flavors. Yeah, wow. Um, is there any interoperability with other DAO projects or ecosystems somehow out of the gate, or would that be up to them if they want to go ahead and add the integratability with DAOhouse v3 to their software? Yeah, we're hoping that it, it's easy enough now that it, it's a much easier decision for them to decide to do that or to cool. actually do it than it used to be. Is is if you can talk about it, is are there one or two things that today every DAO who builds on DAOhouse v2 has to do that are going to be now optional in DAOhouse v3? Like one thing that comes to mind is the concept of shares and loot, 
which has always been different from how a lot of people think about DAO membership being represented by ERC-20 tokens or NFTs. Is that changing or what are some things that we can expect to see be more flexible? So the, the the whole thing is more flexible. We still believe that the concept of of shares and loot makes a lot of sense. And we don't believe that a DAO house DAO is ex- always going to be the right thing for every DAO. Lots of reasons to for DAOs to use NFTs as as membership and governance power, lots of reasons for them to use other types of tokens or other things. Uh, but we, we believe there's a lot of DAOs that would really benefit from using the, the DAO house style. Uh, that said, I mentioned the, the Moloch V3 framework, which we've sort of incorporated and helped to build. That is a, a key part of the DAO House V3 protocol. That takes the concept of shares and loot and improves them a lot. So shares and loot mm. are now both ERC-20 tokens. Okay. So uh, they just mm. work a lot better with existing wallets and other apps and just the, they integrate with lots of other things much better. Um, without having to like wrap them in in, in something, yeah. Um, but they still remain non-transferable, or at least if the DAO chooses to keep them non-transferable. Okay. Now okay. in in V3, a DAO can decide either upfront or at some point in the future to turn on transferability for either or both shares and loot. So cool. We still really believe in the non-transferable nature of governance power. But there's going mm. to be some use cases that uh, require transferability in, in, in some scenarios, or maybe using loot, which is more just economic rights rather than actual voting or, or governance weight. Mm. Maybe it's safer to make that transferable and keep the actual governance power a little bit safer as non-transferable. Very interesting. Cool. All right. Well, we've gone pretty deep into Dow House and some of the things I've been wondering, which is really fun. Um, let's turn to asking you some questions about your experience with, with DAOs, um, especially as we think about helping folks in the audience who are thinking about starting DAOs themselves. And I'm sure, please find ways to connect these questions to Dow House, to your other projects, as I'm, I'm sure there will be connections. The first question on this uh, track is, um, what's the most common growing pain you've seen DAOs experience in their early days? And how would you recommend that people address that challenge? I may be speaking a little bit generally here, but and this is starting to change a little bit, which is, which is good. But over the last year or, or maybe 18 months, one thing that I have seen that I don't think works really well, that, da- that certain types of DAOs have struggled with is They've chosen this kind of like big bang approach where they just launch a DAO token and suddenly anybody and any anybody and everybody could become a member of the DAO, like without doing anything other than buying the token or buying the NFT or or whatever. And that has some nice properties, like lots of members. That's cool. Anybody could be a member. It's permissionless. That's that's a really nice thing. But it comes with a ton of challenges, especially early on. Like a a permissionless environment is really challenging to navigate if you're trying to get anything done. Tons of noise, tons of people shouting in the Discord. Some of those may be great ideas, but some of them may be challenged to actually come to the surface if they're competing with lots of other when moon kind of kind of crap. <laughs> um, so it's and it, it 
not just from an informational perspective, but from just like a navigating the social environment environment perspective. Who am I supposed to work with on what? There's a thousand people in this Discord. How how do I find the person that I need to find to work with on this thing that I want to work with, that I want to work on, even if I'm able to figure out what's actually important to work on? I think it's much better for DAOs to acknowledge that they're not going to be fully decentralized to the entire world uh, from the very beginning and adopt more of a of a notion of progressive permissionlessness rather than progressive decentralization. Stay permissioned at first, but within that permissioned bubble, practice what it means like what it, what it means to be decentralized. And Malik DAOs, DAO has DAOs are really great at this because there is no admin, there's no leader, there's no there's no privileged set of of people. There's just the members in the DAO all together. And they can start as a small permissioned collective and over time grow their membership. And now with DAO has V3, they have the option if they would like to at some point turn on transferability, make joining the DAO permissionless hmm. if they're ready. Brilliant. Okay, this is a great quote. So I just have to repeat it for everyone. Um, so, you know, for the last year, at least, everyone has been saying that their DAO is on the path to decentralization. But it sounds like maybe a different take would be be decentralized from the beginning, um, especially your core functionality, and then be on the path to permissionlessness uh, so that you don't open yourself up too early to just anyone coming in and wasting your time. I yeah. love that. Good yeah. stuff. <laughs> awesome. So what about challenges that you see DAOs facing a little bit later on in their development? Again, what's the most common or one of the most common challenges you see DAOs face um, later on? And how would you suggest they address that challenge? One of the hallmarks of, of DAOs recently or over the past year or so has been a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, but a lack of ability to like really harness that and get a lot of stuff done, at least consistently. Um, some DAOs have figured it out, but I, I kind of suspect that the DAOs have that have figured it out are doing one of two things. One thing is that they're actually not operating like DAOs. They've, they've sort of, they have like a leadership team that makes all of the decisions. And they're more like a corporate executive board rather than than a than a DAO, and that's totally fine. But DAOs have some advantages and benefits over and above that kind of concept. The other thing that I think might be going on in some of the DAOs that have figured it out is that they just have really amazing, like incredible people. That's great for them, and I, I think a lot of DAOs have really great people, but not every person in the world is capable of basically being their own mini entrepreneur inside of a really challenging, uncertain environment. So I think one of the big things that DAOs have been struggling with is like just kind of internal operational structure. Like how do we create and create some degree of structure so we can all kind of collectively sense make about what we're doing and also so that we can uh, actually go do stuff and like actually execute consistently and be effective. Uh, traditional corporations are great at this. Maybe they're doing the wrong thing. Maybe they're doing it in a way that negatively impacts lots of people, but they're really great at getting shit done in a really yeah. like, efficient and effective <laughs> manner. We can and should learn from what they're able to do, even if we don't go all the way towards like having a CEO and an executive board and, and some of the things that would kind of ruin the what it feels like and what it means to be a DAO. I love it. love it. I want to dig on one thing, which is if you have a DAO in the sense that you're very distributed, governance ultimately, right? Everyone gets to make decisions together and they choose to install, let's say a head chef like Sushi recently uh, elected or a CEO or a board, whatever you want to call it. 
but they retain the right to revoke that leadership position at any time. Maybe they're monthly or quarterly approving budgets still for that person or that team. To you, is that still a DAO or does just having that executive leadership make an organization not a DAO anymore? I think it does. I think as long as, or the, the, the first part, as long as the members of the DAO retain the collective right to that, as long as the members of the DAO retain the ultimate collective authority, I think that is a DAO. That is kind of my baseline conceptualization of what a DAO is. Mm-hmm. If, if it's that collective that is delegating some authorities and responsibilities to somebody else and can revoke it, like you're saying, then I think that mm-hmm. that still falls within the the bounds of and gets all the many of the benefits of being a DAO. Yeah. There are, of course, some yeah. questions about like how much social power does that person kind of accrue and is that person able to leverage that social power into kind of capturing some of the the, the mechanisms of how the DAO works. And that's a like really important question that we collectively all will need to answer. But I think even the, just the fact that the revocation power exists and is there is really important. Yeah. People may be able to hear my dog Goldie in the background. Apologies for that. <laughs> but I love your answer. I, I tend to see things the, the same way that you do. And I actually think we're going to see a lot of DAOs install leadership teams of sorts, because like you said, that, that's been very effective for traditional companies for a long time. And until we come up with really radically new ways of effectively organizing people, it might make sense for DAOs to leverage you know, some of the tools that have been used in the past. My next question for you is uh, about favorite tools for helping run DAOs. And I want to give you the option of talking about your, your other project, because I imagine that's probably one of your favorite tools, unless you'd like to talk about something else. But uh, tell us about a favorite tool that you have in the space of DAOs. Definitely, we can can talk about Hats Protocol, which actually is very explicitly trying to enable a, a like the best version of what we just talked about, the best version of hmm. delegating responsibility and authority to individual leaders, or whether that be at the top of the organization, or like for the organization as a whole, or for smaller parts of that organization. So Hats represent roles. You, know, you may have many roles on a team or in an organization. You may wear many hats is where the name comes from. And so what HATS protocol is, is a way for, or it's a protocol for DAOs to create roles and then delegate those roles to either individuals or small small groups or sub-DAOs or, or teams or, or whatever it is. And those roles come attached with the authorities that the, the resources that whoever is wearing the hat, whoever is uh, filling the role needs to carry forward the responsibilities that they have. Creating a pathway for delegation to somebody and and potentially revocation from somebody with like customizable, automatable logic is is at the core of of what Hats Protocol is trying to do. So I'm quite bullish on on that concept. I think it's going to help DAOs level up their their game and start to compete more with traditional companies in terms of what they're able to accomplish. That is very cool. Uh, what's the timeline on this one in terms of being available for people to try out? Uh, so similar to Dow has V3, we're working with some some great beta partners right now, but we, okay. we don't have a, an easy way for, uh, we. one of the things we need to do is build, a, build an app so that people can actually use it without having to mess with uh, Etherscan and other sort of things. We're, we're pretty early on in, in our development. Got it. 
Cool. Very cool. I'm really excited uh, for that. It sounds really useful. What about any favorite DAOs that you would recommend people check out, especially if they're new to the DAO scene? You know, what are some cool DAOs for them to observe or join? I think one that I'm really excited about for you know some concrete reasons, but also then like some more meta reasons is uh, the WGMI DAO. Um, that is a DAO of community builders. I'm also excited about them because they just they're one of the the early partners that we're working with um, within DAO, for DAOhouse v3. They just launched at MCon a couple months ago. They're one of the first DAOhouse. In fact, it might have been the very first non-test DAOhouse v3 DAO. And I'm excited about that because it's a it's a community of community builders who are learning together how to help DAO native communities, Web3 native communities flourish. And that is that is super exciting because they're going to be doing it for themselves, figuring out how to use the right tools, and then going out and disseminating that information and helping other communities build and use those kind of tools to, to construct the, the community and organizations and, and DAOs that they need to. So if there's anybody out there that is a community builder uh, or wants to be, that I think is a great, great place to go, uh, go check out. It sounds in some ways similar to Talent DAO. I don't know if you're familiar with Talent DAO, but they're they're kind of asking themselves and their community of leadership researchers, how do we bring best practices from leadership, including management, organizational psychology, organizational design? How do we bring all of these, um, the best practices and, and lessons learned from all of these areas of study into the world of DAOs? And it sounds like this is similar, but more is focused on community management as being the resource that they're drawing from. Does that sound right? I think so. I think there's a lot of these, um, I think we can generally call these service DAOs that are kind of a combination of almost like mini consultancies where they might get hired by a client to do something on their behalf or go like work embedded within like a, a client DAO or organization. But they're also like communities of practice and learning networks and developers of expertise and content uh, themselves. So I, I, I definitely expect, I don't know if either of actually WGMI or Talent DAO are like producing content like that, but I kind of expect them to. And one of the reasons I expect them to is that's very much the direction that Raid Guild has started to go. Um, Raid oh, yeah? Guild has been around now for almost three years as a like a Web3 freelancer collective organized mm-hmm. as a DAO on DAO House. Mm-hmm. And basically almost like a Web3 dev shop for Web3 clients. And you know, clients will come to Raid Guild and they'll say, hey, I have this thing I want to do. And there'll be a discussion about what that needs to be and how to do it and what the budget needs to be. But And then a team will be formed, a raid party, and from the members of the DAO. And then they'll go build that thing, work with the client, and then they'll come back and, and then work on, on something else. And they'll receive 90% of the, of, the, of the fee from the client, and then 10% will go back into the DAO to kind of create internal projects, improve things, et cetera. But a lot of stuff has started to come out of those internal improvement projects or raid guild improvement projects, RIPs, as we call them. Okay. Nice. Uh, one one thing that I worked on as I've been spending more time with Dow House and and some of my other projects, my attention has has drawn a little bit away from from raid guild in recent months. But when I was doing more work there, I worked on something called Smart Invoice, which is kind of a okay. a Web three native way of enabling a 
service provider and a client to financially interact without having to trust each other. And it involves escrow and milestone payments and, and third-party arbitration. And that actually has now spun out of Raid Guild as its own project, its own product. And there, that, that is like one example of, of a handful of, kind of open source public goods that have come out of this like hotbed of developer and builder activity within, within the service now of Raid Guild. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's cool following Raid Guild because you have so many just brilliant engineers and others, you know, working on cool stuff, whether it's for clients or or for yourself. So that's uh, that's very cool. All right. Well, we are about at time. Um, I want to ask Spencer if he would share, please, with us where are the best places to find you and any of these projects on the web and on social. So let's see. So Dow House best place is uh, DowHouse.club. Um, or on on Twitter at uh, similar to the this podcast name now Dowit. Um, oh, nice at now Dowit. Hats Protocol you can find at hatsprotocol.xyz and Hats Protocol on Twitter as well. Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter at Spengra, um, and then Raid Guild is uh, raidguild.org. Awesome. And we'll put all of those in the show notes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. MyDAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S or MyDAO.org. Um, also, everyone, uh, I'm going to Decentral in Miami, where a DAO that I'm part of called uh, DAO Planet is hosting the DAO track at the event. Um, so please check out DecentralCon.com if you're interested. It's at Art Basel, which is at the end of November, beginning of December. Uh, please consider liking this podcast or this episode or leaving us a review. It really does help other people find the show. Spencer, it's been awesome having you on. I learned so much and it was so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Adam. This has been, this has been awesome to just jam on DAOs with you. Hell yeah. And uh, to the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just Dow It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.